Today on the Made for More podcast, I am speaking with Noah Ronan. She's a speaker, certified coach, author, vlogger, disruptor, and coffee lover. She brings more than 20 years of experience in change management, human resources, project management, and coaching. Noah encourages progressive leaders and social leaders to never settle on the norm so that they can create the change they desire. Her experience around relocation, as she relocated from Israel to the United States and as a result, it has a refreshing view on the world that invites you rather than looking for the differences in others to open your mind and heart to see people and see situations differently. Noah is also the author of a book, Beyond, which is around leadership from aware less to awareness. Uh, you can catch all of the information on today's episode in the show notes, madeformore.com.au forward slash 17 or 17. I absolutely loved uh, talking with Noah today. In fact, she left me speechless, which doesn't happen very often. So dive into this episode. It is an absolute beauty. Welcome to the Made For More podcast. I'll be sharing my experiences along with some actionable advice to take your leadership to the next level. Introducing your host, it's me, Ali Nitschke. I'm a leadership and courageous conversations expert, a Nutella lover, a mother of four young boys, a wife and a dance floor junkie. I'm here to give you the motivation you need to level up, lead yourself, lead your team and your business. Let's go. Welcome to today's episode of the Made for More podcast. I'm very excited and very much looking forward to speaking to Noah Ronan. Uh, Noah, good morning, my time. Good evening, your time. How are you? Good. Isn't that awesome that we can be in two different areas in the world and still chat with each other? So good. Uh, And it's morning for you and I'm ending my day, wrapping my day, not ending, yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. So before we get too far into it, I know we've been chatting quite a bit before uh, we got started, (laughs) but Noah, tell me a little bit about where you have come from and where you're going. So probably to people that listen to me, they ask, where is she from? Because it's not Aussie accent, but I live in the US. So I'm originally from Israel. And 15 years ago, my husband and I moved for a job opportunity for two years two years Ah. uh, job opportunity to relocate to the US, to New York City. He is in the IT space. So we moved with two little kids. And that's where my life really changed. Before the move, I worked in human resources, change management, consulting and training and development. And after the move, I was stuck for a long time. Uh that for almost five years, I was stuck for almost five years. So the woman that helped people go through change and finding jobs, right, or helping people join as the human resources person to, to, to where she worked, suddenly was not able to concord the change and did yeah. all the mistakes. So really what I do today with my clients as a, a leadership coach, executive coach, I help people to recreate their life and I actually call it encourage people to go against the norms so they can create the change they want. So I poke them and I help them and I hold their hand. Sometimes I also work with people from other countries that move to my area, but my focus is really leadership and what I call social leadership, yep. the leaders that want to do something that is beyond just the income. 
there is something more that comes from the place of values. I love that so much. Can we can we just backtrack a little bit? So 15 years ago, you know, you had an opportunity for a two-year stint in New York City and you got stuck. So tell me a little bit around, you know, I'm, I imagine moving moving countries and uplifting your life with young children would mm-hmm. have its own, have its <laughs> exactly. own yeah. of, I guess, limitations and challenges. But tell me a little bit around, you know, once you got settled in um, to New York and what when did you realise you were stuck and then what steps did you take to get unstuck? So I, I will go a bit another step backwards yeah. and I'm going to take you back to Israel because okay. in Israel, when I was a little girl, I remember that I had that ability to influence. I realized that I'm a leader very, very young. And I believe, I don't know why my intuition is that you had the same experience in the sure playground, is. right? Yeah. We just know that. And I just knew that with my way of speaking in my first language, I'm able to influence people. And at very young age, I would sit in board meeting rooms with CEOs and C-suite executives, and I would share my ideas. And there was that what I call that magical silence. And then people would follow me. Yeah. And then I get to the U.S., and it's not like we don't speak English in Israel. We do. We use it a lot, actually. But it didn't feel the same way. And suddenly I hear the pardons and excuse me's, and I feel stupid. Oh. I feel like my strength became yeah. my, my obstacle. I became yeah. handicapped in a way. And that's what really got in my way because when I went to different opportunities or, you know, like interviews, I knew how to do that. I was Mm. in human resources. I knew what I need to do. I got some guidance, but there was a voice inside that was telling me with this way of talking right now or expressing yourself, you will not get the opportunity. No one will hire you or book you as their coach later on or all these things that happened to me along my life. No one will hire you with this English. And that's what shifted the whole experience for me. Mm -hmm. So no matter how how many actions I took and and that I took the same actions that I took in Israel, Mm -hmm. this new experience didn't work for me. Wow. It just didn't. Yeah. yeah. And isn't it interesting, you know, you can go from having that real strong self-belief as a child and then when you come up against an external, I guess, an external factor such as, you know, a language barrier in this instance where people couldn't understand what you're saying even though you knew your stuff and then there's this little seed of self-doubt that like pops exactly. in and starts, you know, it starts to grow and fester and that's what happens with self-doubt when we, we don't get on top of it. So when you started to recognise, I guess, this thought pattern, what was it that you did to shift or flip the script is how I say it. But what did you do to shift out of that and go, actually, you know what, I I do know my stuff and and language may be a barrier for some, but, you know, my English is pretty good and and it's still the same, I guess, the same techniques, the same principles. It's just in a different language. So tell me about that. So here is the deal. When you are in the messiness, you don't really know (laughs) what you're doing, right? You're just trying a lot of different things and nothing works for you. And that's where I was stuck for five years. So I, and that happens a lot in, in situations of change. When people go Mm. through change, 
there is grief and I didn't know that then. Yeah. Okay. So there yeah. is, and I learned that these are all things that I know now, 15 years after, as I mentioned, we came for two years, but now we're 15 years in the U S citizens. Yeah. So what, what I didn't know is that I was grieving. And when you grieve, there are lots of emotions and thoughts. Yeah. And, and yeah. the biggest thing that happens in grief is that, you know, we look at grief as, you know, being sad or in pain for the person that passed away, right? Mm -hmm. But actually what's happening there is that we are trying to redefine who we are going to be without that person. Yes. And that's what kicks in when we grieve. And that's what happens many times in relocation. And by the way, it happens, we, we talked about being moms a few moments ago. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be a negative change. Yeah. It can be also a positive change. So for example, relocation is really a positive change, having a baby, getting married, getting promoted. They're all, the, you, it doesn't have to be something negative yeah. uh, that happens in your life that you suddenly find yourself in a situation where you are not sure how to redefine yourself in this new situation. Yeah. And for me, I was so stuck in my past. I was that executive. I had my MBA. I came with the MBA. Yeah. I um, was a change management management influencer. I want to be the same person in the U.S. I wanted to, wanted to replicate what I did in Israel mm. to the U.S. And it didn't work for me. And I was fighting everyone and everything, including myself yeah. to have that. And the moment that really kind of like brought me into the level of giving up mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there are many different moments. Okay. Yeah. When I look yeah. back, but one of the most crucial one and the most painful one, and mostly they are painful, I believe was that I decided to go and take a certification exam to become um, this, there isn't a certification exam for human resources. I set to study for it for, I think, four months okay. and I didn't pass the first time. Oh, no. So I decided, okay, I will take that again. Yeah. So I took the second time, the second, again, took it again. And I don't remember how many points you need, but I was six points from passing that exam. Oh, no. And that was really, really painful. Yeah. And I can tell you now that I was really sabotaging myself while I was um, studying for the exam, if I will be honest. Mm. But getting out of that exam center, mm. I remember calling my husband. I was there then in New York City, living there. Yeah. And I told him, that's it. I am done. Yeah. I am done bumping my head into the wall yeah. and, and fighting fighting to do what I did in Israel. I am ready to give up. Oh. And I think what we don't know when we do that is that then we create the space for ourselves to show up differently. Yeah. And that's where the shift really started for me. And again, it's, uh, you know, the, today, 15 years after. So it's, it wasn't like wham, bam, everything she, you know, like what you see in the movies that in two moments she puts her, you know, new shoes and everything is beautiful. It's still very messy, but that was, I believe, one of the crucial moments for me yeah. that I could be able to move forward because that was the first time I let go of the past and I said, okay, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But I am ready to to surrender in a way. Yeah. And I think that that is, oh, my goodness, that was amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for unpacking that. And there's so many, 
oh, there's so many gold nuggets. But I think what I wanted to circle back around on is when you were talking about, you know, grief and how what we think it is, is the, the sadness and the pain of losing someone. But really, it's that shift and that re, redefining our identity. You know, who are we now without mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z? And I think we try and, and hold on to those, our past, our past experiences, our past identity. And that's what keeps us anchored from being able to move forward into what it is that we actually need to be doing to create a future for ourselves. Oh, yeah. that was beautiful. Yeah. And and I actually, you know, now I, I wrote a book about it. I call it Beyond Leadership yeah. from Awareness yeah. to Awareness. Yeah. And really what I learned from a, that experience and how I start working with people when I coach them yeah. is identifying and that's my my lens, okay? Um, yeah. So it's just a different lens to look at how we do and being yeah. as human as human beings is that in the grieving process, right? There are lots of thoughts and emotions. Yeah. So I believe that inside us we have two main energies, and they are kind of like the yin and yang. Yeah. One of them is the being. And one of them is the doing. So the doing yeah. is really what happened to me. I was focusing on the actions. I was always a doer. I had that belief that worked for me, that through my the, the way I, I influence and through my action and being very fast, I, I'm, I'm being seen mm-hmm. and being promoted. And most of us mm-hmm. uh, see, see the world from the lens of the action because we heard that as little kids, be a good boy. Yeah and clean up your room, be a good girl and do your homework. So we focus on that and we have that pattern. But what we are missing many times is the other energy, the being. And I put in the being the mindset, which is the thoughts and aspirations and fears and concerns and and all the good Mm -hmm. stuff and the emotions. So there is the mindset and the emotions. And I was lacking, even though I felt a lot because I was grieving, right? That's yeah. the paradox. I felt a lot and I and I thought a lot. I was exhausting myself with my thoughts, walking yeah. alone in the streets of New York City. Yeah. Still, I was avoiding the being energy and focusing on the actions only. Mm. And and what I believe that for us to see new results, yeah. We need to engage. So it's not like being is better than the doing or doing is better than we need to bring them together yeah. Yeah. and pay attention to the being energy with the doing energy. Yeah. And that's when we start seeing new, new actions. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what really happened to me. Yeah. I love that so much. And I read that before today's interview. So tell me a little bit around the being energy, because I think you say something, um, is it around be, uh, being a human being rather than a human doing? <laughs> yes. And, uh, that, yeah, that's very, about. yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like play with that. And I say, rather than doing leadership, let's focus on how we can be as leaders. Uh, yeah. So again, it's it's not about doing is bad, mm-hmm. but there are so many programs that tells us first you need to do this, then you need to do that, right? There are all those actions that we need to take to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like go against that because I say, well, it works for the person that designed that and maybe for two other people, but we can't ignore in the actions, the being part, the emotions and the thoughts. 
Yeah. And let me try and give an example, maybe not for my story, but from leadership, right? Yeah. So I can have a conversation with a client and they will say, that person really triggers me. Now, <laughs> if today, right, we work with the Slack and with the email. So you don't even need to be in a room with the other person to being triggered by them, right? I can yeah. see an email from a person and I will be triggered. I don't mm. even need to be with the same experience <laughs> with them, right? Yeah. So what I really do in those moments, I tell them, okay, let's just slow down and tell me about something that happened with that person. And they tell me. And then I say, okay, what were the thoughts and the emotions that mm. were showing up there? And when you were in that messy space, thinking that that person is arrogant and not professional and you're better than them and all the good stuff that happens in those moments with that specific person that we yeah. all have. Yeah. And it's mostly the same group of people that they always trigger us. When you were in that good stuff with your thoughts and emotions, with your being, what were the actions you were trying to take? Ah. And then they say, I was defensive and I was arguing and I was doing this and I was doing that and I would, I would take over. And that's when they figure out that the actions they are taking are very much connected with their emotions and their thoughts. Yes. And when they get that, you know, sometimes they say, now, now I see. I put yeah. that person in a box or now I see I'm, I'm really trying to walk on eggshells with, when really what I need to do is something else. Yeah. So when we don't have that experience of exploring the emotions and the, and the thoughts, we keep taking the same actions because we are on autopilot. And yes. that's, I was on autopilot for yeah. that for those for many years and then i kept my autopilot or my autopilot when i moved to the us yeah so yeah. i didn't see any change because i didn't notice my emotions and my thoughts i was i was pushing them away because it was too hard to handle yeah. i was ashamed i was angry i was frustrated i was disappointed all for myself yeah. <laughs> yeah. right yeah maybe a bit about my husband who was you know having a cool job but but and that's you know when the shame comes why are you angry with your husband why can't you be happy for him right all the yeah. all the good stuff that shows up yeah oh my goodness I love everything that you you said just then as you know uh, we talked about this before courageous conversations are totally my jam and it's very mm. much around you know how many of your thoughts are actually sabotaging your actions and how can you flip those thoughts to be more productive and helpful in terms of being able to not be triggered by someone be able to have a useful conversation I love it so much yeah um, and it's so important to have those and and when they learn to have it with themselves right because oh, yeah we can't do the work as a, as a team if we don't know to do it with ourselves. And we can't 100%. be different leaders for other people if all, all we do is beat ourselves up, right? Yeah. How can I show up differently to other people if I don't know to do it with myself? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. if you don't even have that awareness as well, then it's very hard to make any change. Yeah. So, so you mentioned around when you were, before you came to the US, to New York, that you were doing change management. So that was about 15 years ago. I'm not sure how long change management's been around. It's certainly, I don't think it's been around for 15 years in Australia, that's for sure. So was it quite? Really? I don't think so. I mean, I hmm. got into change management back in 2009 and it was relatively a new concept mm -hmm. uh, back then. So what's that, 11 years ago. So tell me a little bit around how you got into change and what, what you're seeing from when you first entered change to what you're seeing now. I mean, this year is obviously everyone has had to go through some level of change. So I think right. we're really seeing 
the people that can cope well with change and the ones that are struggling. Yeah. So talk to me about change. It, it's kind of interesting, and I'm just going to write a word to myself that I don't forget because sometimes I get so excited when I start talking about <laughs> topics and, and I don't want to you know, take the whole airtime. So when I got into change management, I worked in a consulting firm, and we would actually help implement new technologies. But now when you think about it, it's even more than 15 years. It's almost 20 years ago because I worked in Israel in that area for many, for many years. So then companies would bring really expensive technologies. The ERP just started and all that good stuff. And the fear was very different than today. The uh-huh. fear was that the technology is going to, to take my, my job. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. So I was in my twenties when now people can do the calculation, but I was in my twenties when I when I started doing that, and it was so interesting to see the fear when you come and work with people, and they are so afraid that their city is going to be taken because their knowledge is going to be now inside the system, inside the, the mm. technology, mm. and and my role was really to create that trust and make sure that we help everyone work together so they get to the other side where the the users can work independently with no pain, which is not easy because people do all these really funny things. They see a bug, so they don't talk about it, and they just go around it, right? All these really... So it was really interesting time for me to be exposed because I, it was all new in the, in the um, corporate world. It was a new space. And I was able to help all the executives work together to create success. And there was a lot of tension in that space between the executives. Mm-hmm. And I would also help the managers how to create trust with their people. And mm-hmm. I also had a group of trainers that got all the good stuff from, you know, this, this, this is not working and this is not working and this is yeah. not working. So it was really interesting because at a very young age, I, I got to understand organizations from, you know, from so many different perspectives. So yeah. it was really, really cool. Yeah. And I think what you see today is that the pace is much, much faster. You know, yep. if we compare it to 20 years ago with the email, when I started, the, the, the Wi-Fi was still, right? It was still dialing, right? The dial-ups of the Wi-Fi yes. when I started working. So the pace today, is it's just so, yeah. so crazy. And yeah. the parallel things that people need to do. So at least what I believe that the successful leaders are the people that can adapt really fast and yep. and learn really fast and and so what they call the agile leader yeah. that are able to really tweak and and bring the different strengths or the different people in the right time mm-hmm. and i actually believe that in 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 you know when i look to the future yeah. i believe that the leader will be the resource resources getter Yes. Uh, because the generation that. Z, uh, they want to be entrepreneurs. So companies will need to allow them to create their, you know, their hotspot. How you call those? Help me with my English. I, lo- I lost the word, but kind of like have their hubs, have their hubs. Uh, yeah, like, where, yeah, hubs is right. Yeah. 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 So create those hubs that they, they, they develop what they believe and yeah. the leader will be the person that brings the resources or help them find the resources. So they will be yeah. less about and more about coaching. So that's how I see it. Yeah. Now, 
if we connect it, that's what I wrote to myself on the side that I won't forget. So what I think is very interesting, and I and I work a lot with leaders around that, yeah, is that the same way there is the being energy inside us, yeah. I also believe that there is the being of the system. Yes, right. Talk about that. Oh, this is fascinating. Right? <laughs> that's interesting. So that's what I like to talk with leaders. And the being of the system is really the emotions and the thoughts that people have as a whole. Because the same story, right? I talked about the grief. Yeah. When, when there is a change, people go through grief. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of emotions. For example, right now I work with a client from a pharmaceutical company yeah. and, and people are being, you know, shifted from one location to a different city and they are shuffled with managers and their direct reports are being shuffled. And there was an event, they start talking with them about a change that will happen in six months. And the managers just blasted. They were so upset with the event. They sabotaged it and said, well, that was a good waste of money and time. And that's exactly what the being of the system does. Mm. The emotions and the thoughts slow the person who tries to create the change Mm. and even stops them because those leaders run too fast into the action without paying attention to the being of the system. And that's where they fall, but they can also change it and pay attention to the being energy of the system and, and, and approach it. And what I believe to create trust, what we forget sometimes as leaders And also as individuals, when we run too fast into the action or we ask people about that being space, we ask them, we say, let's create those courageous conversations, right? Yeah. And tell me what's going on. But to make that safe space, to create that trust, I believe Mm. that the leader has to be the first to go. Mm, and yep. that's why my, my tagline is dare from daring from courage dare to be yeah it's that courage uh, that courage to be the first to say I can see that there is resistance I can see something is not working with my my idea or with the change we're trying to create yeah. let's talk about it and I'm gonna start first yes I and that's it. for me yeah Keep going, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's for me the the courageous parts that dare to be, but not only expect that that from your people, but be willing to be the first to do the work. Yes. Oh my goodness, that I'm going to re-listen to this. <laughs> finish up, <laughs> man. That was so good. Now, where do I want to go with that? That was oh, I love it. And I think what you're saying around the new age of leadership, and this to me is really fascinating. And I think this year has probably sped up the the five-year, the 10-year future of of leadership. And I very much have that belief that, you know, I I work with a lot of new and emerging leaders and they have Mm -hmm. this common belief that they have to know everything. And I'm forever being like, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know where to find the information. So what you're saying around, you know, the future of the leader is actually going to be the one that can connect all the dots that, you know, that sense-making leadership where they're going to be going, okay, well, we need to do some kind of systems here that also needs to be able to talk about customer experience that also needs Mm -hmm. to be able to tie in with the training needs 
of the rest of the team. And I think, oh, I, I love that this is uh, your thoughts on, on the future of leadership. I hope that that's the way it goes because I <laughs> yeah, think that's important. I, yeah, I believe that even though we might experience more of that social connection, you know, moving more to the, to the remote way of working and yeah. it's probably people still, but people will still, you know, after the COVID that we're right now in, we'll go back because we are social human beings. So we'll need to be with each other, but it's going to change a lot. It's not going to be the same. Yeah. And, and that's why I believe the leader will be the one that creates those connections with the right people yeah. and will be able to bring those people that want to create the good stuff and say, hey, go to that person and go to the other person and go to that external resources and help them connect because yeah. that's that's at least how I, I see it. Mm. And it comes from the place when you see leaders, right? So when they start, there is that, I want to be at the front, mm. right? I want to yeah. lead everything. I want to show everyone that, that the trust you gave me to lead and take that right thing and, and influence and, and create a change or whatever it is that I'm expected. I want to show right? That's the, the action, right? I want to show that the trust you, you, you put in me is being seen, okay? Yeah. That I'm delivering, right? But with maturity, you can see some leaders that they start leading from the sides. Mm-hmm. And you shared with me, you, you took that part too, because a leader that, that start taking the, the coaching skills and use them with their people, it means that mm-hmm. I'm willing to stop finding solutions for you people and yeah. controlling, right? Controlling yeah. how you do that. And I'm starting to coach you to find the solutions and, and become independent thinker. Yeah. And, and then you can even move to the back. You don't yes. need to lead from the front. And you're, for me, the joy today is to see when leaders go to the back or when I when I lead sometimes and I can see people take the lead and I can go to the back and just watch them. It doesn't mean that there will be situations when I will take the front, mm. but it's again, that agility, that ability to yeah. not being stuck at the front all the time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love everything you're saying. I'm like <laughs> speechless nearly, which is very unusual for me. And um, I, I love that, that 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 is your belief. And I 100% believe that that is the way that leadership will be going. It's so cool to hear someone else talk about it that way. And can, I think, can I ask you one, one host said, ask me a question. So can I ask you a question? Yes, can I break the rules? Sure. So you shared with me that 15 years ago, you decided to go and get the, the skills of coaching. Yeah. Can I ask you, I'm, I'm always curious about what made people even 20 years ago, right? When the coaching is a really new profession. Yeah. So what made you then still working inside a company to mm. do that? Mm. This is an awesome question, actually, and I've talked about this a little bit on when I'm a, I'm a guest on a podcast. So <laughs> about 15 years ago is when I sort of started my leadership journey in corporate and I was very young. I was in my very early 20s and uh, wow. had a couple of really good teams that I recruited. One of them is my husband. <laughs> about that as well. He was one of my first staff members that I recruited and they're married later on. And what happened was after that high-performing team that I got to curate, you know, I was the resourceful leader. I was like, I don't really want to do that bit. That's not my strength. But this person over here, they're really good at that. So I'll bring them mm-hmm. in, brought in this high-performing team. And then around GFC time, global financial crisis, mm-hmm. team was disbanded. And I ended up going to a new, within a new team, within a new office, still part of the same organization. But it was a, a team that I guess had quite a bit of 
not toxicity, but like conflicts. They didn't get along. They hated each other. And then I like traped in there with my high heels and my ponytail in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, we are not listening to a single thing you say. And I was kind of brought in to, you know, fix air quotes the situation. And I got a coach because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need some help. Well, I tried. I tried really hard. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, we need to try a different way. And so I got a coach and went deep into some leadership training and was like, you know what? I just need to improve my leadership skills. And then a lot of what I learned during that process and from my coach, I started implementing around, you know, asking better questions, you get better answers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and started to do that quite naturally as part of, I guess, my own way of getting out of this toxic team environment that was, you know, getting a little bit crazy and it was taking up a lot of emotional energy that I didn't, you know, there was 14 of them. I didn't have enough emotional energy to expend on 14, <laughs> you know, different sets of conflicts. So I was like, okay, the best way out of here is to build better relationships and empower these people right. to have, you know, ha- improve their own career, improve their own knowledge, capability, all of that type of thing. And then if we take it back even further, before I started in corporate, I used to be a ballet dancer, a professional ballet dancer. And then before wow. that, I used to coach uh, students, ballet students in performance mm. and things like that. So I've been doing coaching for a long time, it's probably I didn't realize what I was doing until it had a label because you're right, it is a relatively new uh, industry. Yeah, so you you moved from one way of dancing, right, yeah. to in coaching, we say dancing the moment with yeah, your clients, right? that's right, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Thanks for sharing. No, thank you for <laughs> asking. So you actually mentioned something, this is another common uh, thread we have. Well, I think we might yeah. do part two of this, Noah. You mentioned around being a bit of a disruptor and I am definitely a disruptor. I don't like to follow uh, rules mostly <laughs> or, or trends. And you talk a little bit about paradoxes. So tell me about your thoughts on paradoxes. Oh my gosh, you, you caught me unprepared. But for me, it's really listening to clients or people in general, because we get so stuck that there is one way or another we're we're kind of like stuck in that either or yeah and and i like to then that's where the fun stuff starts for me you know so for example one of one of the big one for me is for example i was lost right for five years but so when people come to me and they say i feel lost i get excited yeah, because oh, I know that when people are lost, it's when they are going to commit to create the change. Yeah, right. Awesome. Yeah. So, but it's not a not a survival loss, but it's just understanding that I need to start changing what I do because what I do is not working, and that's when people are willing to commit to the process. So that's one paradox that is really fun for me. Yeah. But mostly, it's when you listen to people. And I grew up in in a way. My father used to say, "Don't." ever take the expert as the stamp okay so when you go to a doctor or when your teacher is telling you something always check the data always check and, and don't don't take authority except me or daddy right uh, yeah. so don't take any authority as the the kind of like the the only way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, so when you are being raised this way, it and by the way, it's also a bit culture thing in Israel to always, when someone says we need to do it this way, so Israelis will say, but why? Ah, <laughs> I didn't know that. There is always, yeah, there is always that, but why? Why can we do it differently? So when I listen to clients and mostly it's in that space of, I, 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 there is one way or another way I will push back and say, 
I actually think that there might be a third way. So let's, I'm just going to give you an example that really, and I think it's so relevant that is to what's happening right now. And and sometimes I hear it again and again and again. I don't know if you have that experience. So at the same week, it's it's kind of like the theme of the week. I am not (laughs) focused. So so there are sometimes the the theme of the week. This week, I'm not focusing. I'm on Slack and I'm on Facebook and I'm on email and I let... I let myself being led by all these things and I don't bring results. So first I start asking questions. And what I realized a few times with different clients is that because of the situation that so many people move to work from inside a company to work from home, they struggle. They don't know how to, to stop working. Yeah. They work back to back to back to back and they don't realize that their new situation is different. They they should probably figure out a new way of working from home that the schedule look, looks different. Yes. And that's when I poked a few of my clients and I say, hey, what if that time, because you are so structured and so controlling everything, that that time that you are just moving from email to Slack to that stuff. It's just recovery time. Yeah. It's still working, right? Yeah. But it's a recovering time because I don't need really to think. I don't need really to focus. So for me, for example, I sit back to back sometimes from 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. because I work globally with clients. So around if I had back to back until 11 a.m. and I then do emails and just, you know, browsing a bit and do some social media as part yeah. of my business, I used to be so upset with myself. But now I realize that it's recovery time because yeah. I am giving for five hours. I'm listening. I'm focusing. I am, you know, making sure I'm giving my best to the client. And then I can just calm down and do my thing. And, and this is where I see those really, I will call them cute paradoxes, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that what we see in one way, actually, there might be a different way to look at them. So, so it shows up many times in different situations. So I hope this example was helpful. Just yeah. For the conversation. yeah, absolutely. And I think there is, you know, we do kind of get culturally conditioned uh, to believe that there's the right way and the wrong way as opposed to there yeah. being multiple options. Um, yeah. As a, yeah. No, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> as a kid, I was a huge fan. You may or may not be familiar with the books that were like, choose your own adventure and you'd read a few pages and it would be like, if you want to go forward on the through the blue door, choose page 72. If you want to <laughs> go around to the road on the right, choose 84. And uh, I loved reading and I used to go through it and change my option every time. So I actually got to read the whole book and had multiple, <laughs> multiple endings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so there, there are so many ways that we go with the norms and yeah. we actually get in our own way yeah. because this is how other people do things. Yeah. And what I tell people, why are you going against yourself? I have mm-hmm. a really fun example from this week. A client said, well, I always procrastinating things. So I will look at my calendar and I will put it on Wednesday. And they say, look at me. Are you going to do it on Wednesday? And he said, no way. And I said, Thursday he said, no, no way. I said, so you're going to wait for the last minute and do it on Saturday. And he said, yes. And you know what? When I procrastinate, actually, I do a lot of other stuff that is important. And then I sit and I just 
I, I never got in trouble for procrastinating. So I said, so maybe that's your system. That Maybe that's where you are at your best. And by the way, there are assessments um, that tell will tell you that doing things at the last minute to some people will bring them better results. Yep. Then if they start doing them before and they will not see the results the same way, actually their best outcome will be if they will wait for the last minute. So it was just funny. And I said, so why are you fighting yourself and you're going to put that task on Wednesday when you know you're not going to touch it and then you're going to sit Wednesday evening and you're going to have the guilt and all the good stuff and you're going to beat yourself up And those are the paradoxes that you see. And I say, stop working against yourself. Work with what's working for you and make things better for the things that are not working for you. So those are like little paradoxes, right? Because it's like procrastinating. Should I do that? Sometimes you should. Oh, my goodness. I'm giggling because you just explained (laughs) me. (laughs) I'm a classic. (laughs) I I deliberately put things off until the very last minute because I know that I perform best under pressure and perhaps it's all those years of being on stage and, you know, when the curtain goes up, I'm like on. The very same thing happens if I've got a deadline. I'm like skidding in to uh, home base at the last minute. So I have to tell you, I, I am also the same. I fought it for years with myself until I realized that really the best outcome, I'm also speaking on stage. So my best outcome when I'm preparing a speech or workshop or what, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, the best outcome will be if I will wait for the end. And there is actually, if you check the, the book stretch, or interviews with Scott Zonenschein, he explains, Brene Brown interviewed him and she said, can you explain to me because I procrastinate? And what he said, you know, when you sit and you watch that Netflix show or when you go to the walk and you don't really work, you don't really do the work, your brain is doing the work of processing all those little things that will bring you into that moment when you start sitting and writing your speech or whatever it is that you need to work on in the last minute it. So it feels like you're not working on it. But actually, if you're going to look at it, you're going to see that you cooked and you thought about something and you took a shower and you thought about another thing. And I run. So when I run, I think about another. And there are all these different components that I am collecting. And then when I sit and I write whatever it is, suddenly they all come together. So it's actually not really always just procrastinating, but we work without being even realizing that um, we do the work. Uh, So that's why I I call it aware less. (laughs) Aware less. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I definitely needed to hear that today because I've been procrastinating hard. I've got a deadline that I will get done after I get off the interview to you. And it's, uh, yeah, I've got a few hours. So I'm just going to tell you something, and if it's if you don't want to take that, so maybe it will help other people. Okay. But what okay. I find is that procrastination is not really laziness. There is something that we are missing in purpose or meaning, mm. and that's why we're not moving into. So there is some clarity that we are missing to move into action. Yes. So uh, I always say that in resistance, there is a lot of wisdom. And that's where the being actually can really help you. And you can sit with yourself and you can say, what are the emotions and the thoughts and what 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 the resistance is trying to tell me? And most of the time when you do that, you will realize that there is a, uh, something that you're missing clarity or there is uh, 
something that you still don't understand or that the purpose is missing and that's why you're not moving into action. So that's another thing that I kind of like, okay, I'm not doing it. It's probably because I am still don't understand something there and that's why I'm not moving into action. So I need to do the work and, and then it releases me from, from that experience of guilt that eating eating you alive so and by the way the other way around if you try to make someone do something and they don't and resist you it's better to sit with them and have a conversation what what's the resistance about or or just trying and and mostly you will see that they you didn't explain in a clear way to them and they don't see the purpose or the meaning of on acting on what you are asking them to do yes Yes, I love that. Noah, you have been so incredibly generous with sharing (laughs) your knowledge and expertise. I've loved every second of this. Before we wrap things up, what would be your five top tips for leaders, organizations uh, moving forward? Oh my gosh, I think I gave them all, right? I believe the first one is what we talked about. So I'm not sure I'm going to do five. That's a lot, Ali. Do you want to go three? Top three. Let, let's you, start and see what's going to happen so because I can talk so much, so it can take another hour. So let, <laughs> let's. I'm going to try and be. I, I'm going to try and manage myself. Okay. So the first one, the first one that I think is very important: listen, listen, love it, listen, yeah. listen, and 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 now I also say mute yourself. So that's my second oh. one: <laughs> mute yourself in the remote. If you know that you are the uh, person that always runs into solutions. Mm -hmm. So to help yourself being a better listener, mute yourself. Yeah. Because there is a resonate choice. If you, rather than opening your mouth and talking, you need to make an aware choice to unmute yourself. And that's slow down the the process. And that's a lot of what I, I try to help my clients. It's kind of like, identify the red flag and let's slow down the process that you don't run into your autopilot. So we said, listen, and I I also call it kind of like lean back. There is right. The Sheryl Sandberg lean in. So I say lean back. back. So that's, that's kind of like my number three, when you want to solve the problem, lean back. Yeah. Cool. Quiet. Now my, I think it's number four. I hope so. Yes. It's, asking questions. And when you ask questions, there are two ways to, there are many more, but I'm going to focus on two. One is that I have an idea and I'm going to ask questions that will be manipulative questions, or as we call them in leader, in in coaching, leading questions. But this is not the leader leading questions that you want to ask. These are the questions that you manipulate people. So move yourself from those leading questions to lead people to answer what you want and start asking questions that that are explorative and the best way to start is focus on what questions and every time you want to ask why or how or is or do rephrase it as we see in those court shows so that's my my invitation so that's number four and number five I will just repeat what I said before do you need to be on, at the front as a leader. Oh, yes. 
or maybe when you go to the next, and you, by the way, it's, you can be, I see that a lot with, you know, people who even lead a project, you know, uh, for me, leading doesn't have to be that you have the title, but let's say that you, in one capacity, you lead something. Even when you come into the room, doesn't mean that you need to lead from the front. Yep. You can lead from the sides, you can lead from the back. And the best way that I, not the best way, but one of the ways, I'm not going to say the best way catching myself on autopilot is to <laughs> step back, lean back again, yeah. say, I, I identify a gap yeah. and invite the people in the room to say what they think and then mute yourself. Then mute yourself. Yeah. I think that's yeah. probably the key one there, isn't it? The mute right? yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So rather than you finding the whole solutions, rather than you telling the, the, pe the other people what to do, just say, okay, I see a gap. What do you think we should do around that? Yeah. And just let people talk because that's how you engage people and they want to be part of this from the of the and many times I hear leaders that will say, but then the team will say something that I don't want them to say. So they will say <laughs> things that are much better than what you think you have in your head right now. Uh, and yeah. so it's really awesome to see what happens when when people come back and say, That was really awesome. I was quiet for the whole meeting and people found solutions and it's so easy. Yeah. So yeah, you don't need to work hard. Yeah. So that may be my new number five. You don't need to work hard. You don't work need to work hard. hard. <laughs> we'll do 5B. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Noah. Uh, I love this. And if any of the listeners do want to uh, come and hang out with you on social media, where do you like to hang out? Yeah, I am really mostly on, on LinkedIn. So if you want to see, I have what I call on the run videos. And actually the new ones because of the COVID are with my little son. So they're ah. really, really fun. I call them on the run. So after we run, yeah, I shoot a quick video. It's like one, two minutes. I like it short. Yeah. So so I vlog there, but I'm also on other social media. I have the same handle, social media handle. It's Noah N O A. R, my last name, Noah R Coach, at Noah R Coach. That's my social media. You can also find me on my website, Noah Ronan Coaching, and get my book. Ah, beyond, get your book. Beyond, yeah, Beyond yes. Leadership from Awareness to Awareness. So just look for me on Amazon, Noah Ronan again. Beautiful. Yeah. I'll put the yeah. I'll put the links to that in the show notes yeah. for today as well. Thank you so much, Noah. This has been amazing. I've loved it and uh, have a beautiful night. I really, really want to thank you. It was a wonderful conversation and I appreciate inviting me to your show. Thank you to your thank podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode on the Made For More podcast, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes. And of course, five-star reviews are always welcome on the Apple podcast. If you'd like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, check out madeformore.com au forward slash podcast and of course if we aren't connected already you can find me in all the usual places ali nitschke on linkedin ali.madeformore on facebook and instagram i hope you have an awesome week and i'll catch you again soon bye bye